Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What time is it? It's Brownie time! <laughs> Excuse me. Couldn't get to the cough button there in time. <laughs> I just didn't notice. Uh, did you just put on your Cubs World Series ring? <laughs> it feels good. And I know how much you hate the fact that I got a ring. Yeah, the Hall of Famer, one of the greatest middle linebackers in Bears history indeed down here with Mike Singletary. Did you see Die Hard? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did too. That was awesome. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Samurai. Donna Mark Grody. Hey, Cordero, can I get a couple minutes with you here, uh, man? I ain't even talking today, man. Sorry. Okay. So it's been kind of a devastating day for me with, with uh, Bubba and then the bird. So... Bubby. 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 And when the Patriots took a 3 no. nothing lead. I when thought, they took no, a... no, 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 Les. The Bears were America's team. What are you talking about? The no, they weren't. The no, they weren't. Yeah, everybody. Sure they were. Yeah, they were. Everybody. You weren't down there. I was. Mark Grody, go ahead. Unmute Mark. Here I am. Unmuted. Oh, hi, Mark. Mark Grody on 670 The Score. Hi, everybody. Hope your Saturday is off to a fantastic start. It is gorgeous. In Chicago today, in downtown Chicago, the sunlight is beaming. Maybe a little bit humid, but that's okay. We don't complain about weather when it's this summer. So I hope you have your earbuds in and you're listening to the score right now. I get to be with you until 1245 today. Steve Rosenblum has the day off today. Like I said, he refuses to do any shows that are under two hours in length. So I am in today to do the show with you up until the start of Cubs pregame today, which will be manned by Gabe Ramirez. Pat Hughes and Zach Zayman will be on the call. The Cubs rematch with the Red Sox. Marcus Stroman against James Paxton after the Cubs lost badly to the Red Sox yesterday, 8-3. to Boston just took advantage of the wind, and the Cubs did not. Five home runs for the Reds, four of which were off Kyle Hendricks. We know that that is not Kyle Hendricks-ish throughout his entire career, not just this year. So hopefully that's just a one-time blip for Kyle Hendricks, who otherwise other than his first performance back from the shoulder injury, has been excellent. He's been excellent. He's been Kyle Hendricks, so that's a good thing. The baseball was bad for the White Sox yesterday as well. They lose to the Braves by a final score of 9 to nothing. a nightmare of a performance for Michael Kopech where the guy didn't even make it out of the first inning. We're going to be talking plenty of baseball today on the show, including at 11.20 we'll talk about the White Sox with James Fox. He is the co-host of Future Sox, the Future Sox pod. He is also a writer for the Sox Machine 
And we'll focus a little bit on the game and a couple of things that went down last night. But mostly with James Fox, we will look for viable trade partners with James. We will also look at what is in the White Sox farm system right now. So we're going to have some fun with James Fox a little bit later on in the name of moving forward with the Chicago White Sox. Because I think that that's what it's all about. At 1145, we will go to Wrigley Field where the beautiful ambient sounds will be heard. The Wrigley Field will be filling in. Yeah, it's the Wrigley Field now. Gabe Ramirez will join us. Gabe Ramirez, the regular host of the evening show on 670 The Score, will be with us at 1145 live from Wrigley Field for a scene setter. He is doing the pregame today. At noon today, I think we could talk about whatever we want to talk about with Paul Sullivan, the writer and columnist for the Chicago Tribune. We will zero in on baseball. We'll talk to him about the baseball at Northwestern because, per John Morosi, Northwestern is interested in the guy that was doing the color commentating last night during the Cubs game. Yeah. Joe Girardi, reportedly a candidate for Northwestern baseball. Mark Loretta also is on the early list, according to the Morosi report. And then a Sox person, Chris Getz. Chris Getz, the Sox assistant GM, is on the list. And then they throw in, or I should say John Morosi throws in, Ben Greenspan, highly regarded Michigan assistant, could also be considered. So we will get into some of that with Paul Sullivan, and he, of course, is very adept at talking about our baseball teams as well. I want to start with the Bears today, though, because I've been filling in, or I filled in yesterday, with David Haw on the Molly and Haw show. We just started to discuss Jalen Johnson, the Bears' top cornerback, and it was about... Where are we now? What is the date today? July 13th, 14th, something like that? July 15th. July 15th. You're getting there. I'm a something like that date guy. If somebody asked me what the date is, I said something something like that. When During the OTAs, when Jalen Johnson did show up to the third one, remember he sat out a couple and he explained himself taking care of the kids. But one of the things that he shared with us in the name of you know, Jalen Johnson is eligible now for a contract extension and – he did reveal to us in June that at the time he did not have an agent, but he also told us, all of us, this wasn't like a proprietary thing, he told everybody that he would be hiring an agent, and he's done it. He has reportedly hired the Family for Life agency, so he is, he told us that he is represented. So what does that mean in the in the big picture now, in terms of Jalen Johnson and potentially getting a contract extension, as Haw brought up, maybe a holdout and what's going to happen in terms of the, the Bears' value on him and how much he values the Bears. This morning, I went back and I listened to Jalen Johnson when he spoke to us, and I pulled three cuts that I thought would probably bring the most texture to this conversation. And first of all, First cut we're going to do here, Jalen Johnson, as I said, eligible for the extension. The question to Jalen Johnson is, and again, remember, this is in June, so this is a little bit, about a month ago or so. So things may have changed in his brain, but I want to give you an idea of how he was thinking and maybe still is thinking to some degree. I mean, for me, I don't have to do too much. I just go out and continue to be who I am, continue to be the player I am, keep getting better, keep finding ways to improve my game. Um, and then really just find ways to win. I think for me, I'm not too 
too worried about it. I mean, of course, the contracts and stuff, there's going to be talks, there's going to be some things that get brought up, but at the end of the day, that's that that's above me to an extent, just trying to stay focused and keep the main thing the main thing, and when that comes up, handle that situation when it comes. Okay, th- okay. <laughs> okay. That is Jalen Johnson right there as uh, talking about the a potential extension, and I think that that – is an even-headed response right there. So I think so far so good when he is discussing things in that nature. It did like it didn't feel like when he came in that day, he came in ready to explain himself because everybody made such a big deal about him missing the voluntary practices. So he came in ready to talk about that. Let's go to Jalen Johnson number two. Uh, this is Jalen Johnson. Do you want this done, as in a potential contract extension? Do you want this done before camp? What was your legacy about our situation? It's before training camp. They want it before they get out there into the potential risks that come with training camp. Is that how you feel about it? Nah. Honestly, I haven't even really thought about it. Y'all asking me some questions I ain't even thought about. I ain't going to lie to you. Um, yeah, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I'm not, I'm not worried about the timing of it. I mean... God's will 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 happen. I think if it's before, during, whenever it is, I'm not I'm not stressed about it. I'm not putting too much pressure on it at the end of the day. I mean it's all it's it's really above me at this point. I like that answer too. Now, again, in my head, he's got an agent now. Could that tone have changed for Jalen Johnson? It's not out of the realm of possibility. But I like the fact that at that point, a month ago, that a he's not worried about it. He's not thinking. It sounds to me. I can infer from that that it at that time it was in no way, shape, or form in his head to hold out or do any funny stuff or hold in whatever the case may be. That's the way it, it felt. Now, in terms of Jalen Johnson getting earning a contract extension with this regime, a, a regime that obviously did not select him. And I think that that always has to be mentioned. It may just be, you know, percentage points, you know, part of the puzzle right here. Unfortunately for Jalen Johnson, he does have something going against him in terms of getting the tip top money in the NFL. And that is he's got one pick in three seasons and yeah, for better or for worse, that is the first thing that evaluators are going to look at. Is this guy a playmaker? To some degree, I don't think that's fair because I appreciate a guy who is a good cover corner. I mean, I think that it's such an incredibly difficult skill or craft in the NFL to stop wide receivers who know what they're doing, right? They know the the, the cut they're going to make, and the, the defensive back has no idea. So you're getting beat a lot if you're a cornerback. And Jalen Johnson is a pretty good cover cornerback, as is evidenced by some of the games he had this year against some of the top wide receivers in the league. And to that point, to my point of he needs to probably play the rest of the season, or as I would advise him to play out this season, and really bring up his number, because I feel like the interceptions could be coming. But here is, here's what Jalen Johnson said, again, a month ago, in evaluating the cornerback position and kind of what I'm saying that not a whole lot of picks in his life so far. To me, I think there's there's different tiers within the tiers. I think you have to put a put the category of guys together that to me have the hardest jobs and I think that's following the number one wide receivers. I think you take that tier and then you create a tier of those guys. But I feel like 
that that makes corners different. I think when you follow and you have the the trust and to go to those hard downs to continue to go to those matchups, I think you got to take those guys and then see what they do from there. And I don't think it's too many guys that consistently have number one jobs that are just going out here and getting too many interceptions. I think those are those tend to be the guys that kind of just stay and just play the system, play the defense, and um, figure out ways to take their chance to make their plays on the ball. But I think if your assignment is to take a guy out the game, I think those interceptions are very limited. It's an interesting point. And I think that the elite guys in the league, they're going to get their picks. There are some years for guys that they just get lucky. The the ball lands in their hands. And I think, you know, to, to some extent, some of that was going on for Eddie Jackson back in 2018. You know, he was great. And you got to have a, you know, a nose for the ball and all of that. But we know that Eddie Jackson has not come close to having a season as spectacular as that since 2018 because there is some ball luck that goes down with, with cornerbacks. I do think that if you are an elite, if you are a top cornerback and you're not a, as he put it, a system guy, yeah, you probably should have more than one interceptions in, in three seasons. So I don't think there's going to be a Jalen Johnson holdout. I also don't think there's going to be a contract extension before camp, maybe, maybe before the season. But my best guess is that this is going to be a season that they will let Jalen Johnson play out this year to just show us one more time. You've been great. You are our number one cornerback, but let's roll it out. And honestly, I think that, and as much as it, as hard as it would be for a player who is on the verge of getting paid, that it would probably be very difficult to say, "All right, I'll just I'm going to play this thing out and then and then pay me," instead of accepting a potential extension that they were offered to him. And you know, Roquan Smith did that, and he is the highest paid inside linebacker in football right now. He's also asked about like how does this compare to, to the Roquan Smith stuff. And luckily, he basically said, paraphrasing, this has nothing to do with Roquan Smith. This is not a similar predicament to Roquan Smith. So we'll wait and see, and we'll see if his tune has changed in any way, shape, or form now that we're getting closer to camp and now that it is a month later and Jalen Johnson has probably had time to think about all of this. The other part, too, is Tyreek Stevenson. Tyreek Stevenson, the Bears' second-round cornerback pick out of Miami, who in the OTAs and minicamps that I, I was at all of them, he was playing the outside, man. He was the other outside starting cornerback opposite of Jalen Johnson with Kyler Gordon in the middle most of the time, in the slot. So he's an interesting guy to think about in terms of it, they, they've got the guy on the rookie contract, and then could Tyreek be the guy down the line that they invest in? But I would say and Ryan Poles has said that cornerback is a premium, premium position to him. He told us that before the draft this year, and duh, because that's probably the case with a lot of GMs. But Ryan Poles made a point of it, so then drafts Tariq Stevenson. If that's the case, wouldn't it be nice just to lock up the secondary, assuming that Tyreek Stevenson is what the Bears think he is, what I think he might be, to lock it up and just be like, you got a pretty good secondary for a while. And you got to think about this with Eddie Jackson, too, whom the Bears really like. So if you had that that defensive back with Tyreek Stevenson, Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker, 
Eddie Jackson, and then you fill in the depth pieces with maybe you know, Terrell Smith, the, the fifth-round pick out of Minnesota. Josh Blackwell, who I know I've probably over-raved here, but I, I do like Josh Blackwell. Very good undrafted free agent last year. Excellent on special teams and made, made the most of his opportunities to play cornerback. Jalen Jones, hot and cold last year, but he's a depth piece. And, yes, Kendall Vildor, too. You're not going to see Kendall Vildor starting. But now, you know, Kendall Vildor is moving into that space of being a veteran player who is a good depth piece. So it's nice to look at that, that position and say maybe that's something you can lock in for the next four or five years on your on your defense. So much of this, too, part of the obvious reason why, you know, maybe Jalen Johnson has not had a ton of interceptions, nor has anybody on the Bears, is because of the pressure up front. And Ryan Poles addressed some of that, some of that in this offseason with the drafting of Jervon Dexter, the drafting of Zach Pickens, both defensive linemen, one out of Florida, one out of South Carolina, the signing of defensive ends Demarcus Walker and Shaquem Green to add to Dominique Robinson, who hopefully will have developed some coming into this year. And then maybe there's some maybe you could you could pull the you know for somebody like Travis Gibson the desperate card because this is it this is it for him in terms of he's not going to just fall out of the NFL after this year if he has another year like that but he's not going to get the big bucks so sometimes you got to hope for a guy for a little kick in the butt with sort of a last call attitude so that's where I'm standing on Jalen Johnson training camp is coming up here in a couple of weeks July 26th I believe is when everybody reports and Jalen Johnson will certainly be a very important subject in that uh, training camp. When we come back, let's start to get into some of the baseball. We will talk to to James Fox, co-host of Future Sox and a writer for the Sox Machine, about the the Sox 9-0 loss to the Braves. And we will get into prospects with him because if the White Sox do sell, I would presume that they would be looking for some top-notch prospects, and we will find out what teams the White Sox should be dealing with We'll also dive into the White Sox system and see what kind of players and youngins they have that we might see on the roster as the season goes on, assuming the season continues to go as it has, as the White Sox now 17 games under 500. That sounds dirty. I'm Mark Grody. Sean Sears is our executive producer. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sir, we're coming right back on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. And they've kind of gotten back to that over the last six or seven years. 
This to third base, it's Riley, it's Albies, and it's another double play. This one ends the ball game. Atlanta turns two four times tonight in a 9-0 route of the Sox. Jason Benetti with the call on NBC Sports Chicago about the White Sox 9-0 loss to the mighty Atlanta Braves. And they are mighty. <laughs> 61 and 29. They are powerful. They are fast. They are good. They are the best team in baseball right now. I'm going to give a shout out to the more than a shout out to NBC Sports Chicago a little bit later on because they did something on the broadcast last night which was risky, which was fun, and which was awesome that made watching a 9 nothing loss worth my while towards the end of the game. It was brilliant, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. Right now, let's get serious about this White Sox team, though. We are joined by James Fox. He is the co-host of the Future Sox pod writer for Sox Machine. You can find him on Twitter at JamesFox917. What's going on, James? How are you? Hey, Mark. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Well, let's start with Michael Kopech. For people who did not watch the game last night, he goes two-thirds of an innings, allowed four runs on four hits. He walked four. So, again, did not make it out of the first inning. Matt Olson just reared up and cracked a grand slam on a groove fastball right on the inside part. It was like Olsen just kind of stepped back and said, I'm, I'm going to slug this ball, and he did. What do you make of the Michael Kopech performance last night? Yes, I mean, it's obviously like not good on the long rest that he's had, right? I mean, they, they put him on the injured list. But they kind of like said that he wasn't really injured. They just used that to get the break because he was tired or sore, Pedro Grifol said. So, you know, it's just like the same thing with the with this team. I feel like all the time where you don't really know who's in charge or who's making what decisions or if Michael Kopech's fine or if he's not fine. So, you know, I, I just think it's like the same like cycle over and over again. I mean, I think at this point, like for Kopech, like innings are the most important thing, you know, and I think they're going to keep him in the rotation. I think that's that's probably the right move. But if you have lots of starts like this and then you don't pitch again for five or six days, like it's tough to like build up the innings that you're, you know, eventually going to need to be the starter that he wants to be and the starter that they think he can be. But I mean, you know, like the, the clock's kind of ticking here. Michael Kopech's like 27, I think yeah, now. Yeah. So, you know, where we've kind of been talking about the potential of Michael Kopech forever to the point where, you know, maybe he's, just a number four starter that can look really good, you know, occasionally. That's hard to take, you know. I mean, considering what he was and the promise when he came up with the White Sox and sort of the phenom talk as well. But I get what you're saying. And to your point, too, Kopech has not pitched five innings since June 10th against Minnesota. Now, it obviously has to be pointed out that he – and this is part of what you were saying – he, on June 29th, he, he goes on the injured list with the, the shoulder inflammation. So I was thinking the same thing, man. I mean, like, I hate to give guys excuses, but it's a shoulder injury. And Kopech has a huge history of uh, big and small injuries. The guy's been injured a lot. So when you say who's making the decisions, who, whose you know, idea is it to put him out there or not put him out there, that's a – that's a tough thing to hear, James. It sounds like you're saying that there's just like a lack of communication or competence. Yeah, both, I think. I mean, so Grafol said last night something like, oh, he felt good tonight. Like, and he just pitched bad, which 
okay, fine, like that happens. But, you know, then how do you explain away the last four starts? He said, oh, he was sore for those. So it's like, okay, well, I mean, you know, like he's either injured or he's not, right? I mean, like pro athletes are hurt all the time, and they just keep playing. So are you hurt? Are you injured? Can you pitch? Can you not pitch? I think once you take the mound, like it kind of really like can't be the excuse anymore. Like when you pitch bad, like, Oh, I, I, you know, you didn't feel that well. Well, maybe you shouldn't be pitching then. And the White Sox have played injured players pretty frequently here over the last few years. It seems like. Yeah. Parade of it last year. I mean, they were famous for it (laughs) in, in the last year of Tony La Russa White Sox again, lose to the Braves last night, nine to nothing. I'm Mark Grody here on the score. We're talking to James Fox, co-host of the future Sox pod writer for the Sox machine. Let's start talking about some young players. And actually, before we get to the prospects, I want to talk about a really interesting and exciting, unfortunately for the Sox, exciting player that the White Sox will see today. Lance Lynn, who was great in his last outing for the White Sox, drawing Spencer Strider 11-2 with a 3.44 ERA, 24 years old. James Fox, tell us about Spencer Strider for people who are just now starting to hear about this kid. Well, he was like a late draft pick, too. I think he was like a fifth rounder, ended up being rookie of the year, right? Like, just awesome. I mean, I think the Braves... You know, they're up there, right? As, I mean, they're the best team in baseball right now. Are they the best organization in baseball? I think we talk Rays, we talk Dodgers. They're definitely in there. The Braves' farm system right now is not very good. It's like probably mm. bottom three in the sport. But that's mostly because of some of the high-profile trades they've made for stars. But then they just they kind of just keep bringing up players that are good, though, regardless of those rankings. And Spencer Strider's one of them. Spencer Strider is, was not a first round pick it's just like a guy that they took that they developed within their system and now he's you know one of the better pitchers in the national league the Sox have trouble with you know with average right-handed pitchers so you know I don't I don't expect this to go very well today obviously you know what to do on your gambling app everybody Uh, right there so Lance Lynn against Spencer Strider and you know hope for Lance Lynn man he'd seven shutout and that awful game against Toronto seven shutout innings 11 strikeouts more of what White Sox fans saw of Lance Lynn early in his Sox career. So for the sake of, well, the team now and potential trades, let's hope for Lance Lynn to do good things today. You mentioned, James Fox, that Atlanta is one of those teams that you know is a good organization, but they are not full right now in, in terms of prospects. In the For the sake of the White Sox, and if they sell and they want to acquire young players, what organizations should we be thinking about? Yeah, so I think, like, Cincinnati right now is, like, at that stage where they're absolutely loaded. They can win the NL Central. How much of, like, their depth do they want to chip into to do that, right? But, like, I definitely could see them as one of the the Lucas Giolito teams for sure. And then, look, I think you're always – anytime you hear the Dodgers interested in, like, one of your players, I think that's a good thing too because their farm system is loaded to the point where they're not going to – be wrong a ton right where but they have so many prospects that they have so many blocked prospects that you can generally get something pretty good from them and then and then honestly like baltimore really interests me just because they have pitching needs for years and years they've loaded up in the draft and on the international market with hitters and they've been right in most cases that system is loaded with young left-handed bats so look i don't know that the the White Sox are going to consider trading like a Dylan Cease. But, you know, like if if you got to that point where you get something that you can't turn down, 
I think Dodgers, Baltimore, you know, the, the Reds are a candidate. Like a lot of those win-now teams, you know who all of them are, but I think those three systems are, are three that kind of would fit some of the needs that you might be looking for in a deal. Is Dylan Cease the guy that you would draw the most for if you were to trade him? I think so because it's two and a half years. I mean, Giolito's been really good. You know, I think what Giolito and, you know, Marcus Stroman, obviously, and there's Jack Flaherty in St. Louis. Those guys are all rentals. They're all really good. They're all going to help somebody. But, I mean, that's like eight to ten starts probably. I think with Dylan Cease, it would be two and a half seasons. So, look, I I don't know that the White Sox are going to do it, but I think, like, a big question they have to ask is, like, next year. Like, what are you next year? Like, can you win next year? And, you know, if you make the determination that that answer is no, you should probably consider at least listening on Dylan Cease and seeing what you can get for him at the peak of his value. Yeah. Because the the alternative is you go into next season with Dylan Cease and, like, you're not a contender and you win 74 games and then, you know, then you're trading him with one year left and you're not getting nearly as much. So, you know, I, I know people, like, don't want to hear that. And Dylan Cease is a Scott Boris client that I don't think is signing an extension with you or anyone prior to free agency. So, I just think when the White Sox are in a position that they're in, like I'd probably consider anybody other than I'd keep Louis Robert, but everybody else, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't at least take offers on or listen right now. Absolutely. It's not responsible to not listen considering what is going on with the organization right now. Last thing for you, James Fox, which Sox, Sox players in their system right now could we potentially see later this year or even at the start of next year to start to get people thinking about the the prospects the Sox have right now? Right. So I think there's a few guys that you could, like, you know, like Lenny and Sosa could come back and like, look, he's had a lot of minor league success, wasn't very good in 103 big league plate appearances. There's no reason for that guy not to be your second baseman for the rest of the season. Find out what he is. He might be nothing. And we might ultimately find that out. But, you know, it's a better plan than playing Elvis Andrews every day. You know, you have Carlos Perez as a catcher. Doesn't necessarily project to a starter, but, I mean, look, that's another guy that could be on next year's team. I think you're in a position where these guys need to be playing, and then obviously Oscar Cola. They don't have a ton of close to the majors pitching depth. You could see, like, a former second-round pick, Matthew Thompson, um, was a guy on the prep side, or, like, a Sean Burke. Like, any of those guys could make starts this year, but I think next year is where you really see it. Colson Montgomery should be heading out to Birmingham. Within the next week, he's going to play in the Arizona Fall League. The way the White Sox do things, I would not be surprised if we see Colson Montgomery like by midseason next year. And, you know, there are lots of really smart people that do this that think Colson Montgomery is going to be really, really good. Yeah. So I think that's like the that's the hope, right? That, that That's like the next guy that you you really want to see. But I think that's like maybe early next year at the absolute student. James, great information as always, and I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on, man. Yep, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. You got it. That is uh, James Fox, co-host of the Future Sox pod, writer for the Sox machine, and you could catch him on Twitter. You should follow him right now. He is at JamesFox917 because, for better or for worse, you're going to need to know about the young players all over baseball and in the White Sox system because – This core is uh, going downhill as it stands right now. When we return here, we are going to go to Wrigley Field and bring in today's pre- and post-game show host. 
That is Gabe Ramirez, the regular evening show host here on 670 The Score. He will join us live from the press box next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back in on the score. I'm Mark Grody. Cubs host Boston today, a 120 game. That's pretty cool. Cubs and Red Sox in 80-degree weather at a classic ballpark. That's sweet. Cubs lost to the Red Sox yesterday, 8-3 to the final score. Five home runs for the Red Sox, four of which were off of Kyle Hendricks, who goes four and two-thirds, a lot of five runs. On eight hits. Not what you were looking for right out of the break for the Cubs. That is for sure. They're now 42 and 48, seven games back in the National League Central. The man whose voice you just heard there yelling was Gabe Ramirez. I hear you, Gabe. Was I yelling? I mean, was it, was it when you're calling a goal for a team, is, is that yelling or is it? you know, loud appreciation in the moment. Well, you know? honestly, you know who's producing today? It's Shady Sears, and he just played it, yeah. and I didn't know the context of it. So, to me, it's just, at first I didn't even know it was you. And he said, oh, that's Gabe right there. It's because so, – it's cause... <laughs> See, now, Boy, I, now I hear knows, it. He knows that I am going to be the in-game host for the Chicago Fire game later on tonight. I'm on double duty, so he's trying to poke fun at me knowing that I have a long day today. All right, Gabe is at Wrigley Field. He is doing pre and post today. Out of the ballpark. He did it yesterday as well. He's done pre and post before. But first, before we get into your experience and what we're going to dig into the game from yesterday and some of your observations, let me just read the this is again, this is written by your guy, your regular evening producer here on the score, written by Sean Sears. So I'm just going to read this. Gabe Ramirez, six seventy the score, evenings host, host for B ninety six, in game host for the Chicago Fire, talks gambling on BetQL, former boy band singer, <laughs> is good at everything. He's on Twitter at Chicago underscore Gabe. Sean loves me low key. That's the thing. That's the thing, girl. He really does love me. Uh, deep down in his heart. But all those things are accurate. I think he left out father. Yeah. I think he left out a couple of my part-time right. jobs. Friend of Mark Grody. Yeah, friend of Mark Grody. Yeah, host of Lollapalooza. Oh, dude. Uh, live broadcast oh, on Hulu. Oh, my God. Too, so. We're, we're going to talk about that, too. We're going to talk about that, too. But let's get into the Cubs. Cubs and Red Sox, today you're going to get to witness the Stroh Show. Marcus Stroman against James Paxton up close. What's it like out there right now? And it's got to be pretty cool seeing, like, two classic uniforms, Cubs and Red Sox out there. Absolutely. It was amazing yesterday seeing it, Mark. Uh, just the fans roll in, Boston Red Sox fans specifically. But today's a different day. It's The sun is shining. As I was taking the red line in to Wrigley, uh, getting off at the Addison stop, more people than I had seen yesterday two hours prior to the game. Clark Street is jam-packed. People are outside. Families are out there. So the, the, the energy is palpable here at, at Wrigley Field, most certainly. What happened last night? Was it as simple as the wind was blowing out and one team took advantage? What, what did you see from Kyle Hendricks and the Cubs yesterday? I mean, it's difficult, right, the, to, to have the expectation that Kyle Hendricks is going to come out every start for the remainder of the year and, and be the professor that we know him to be is – Again, those, those are high expectations that you're placing on him. So, you know, you were going to get that bump at some point in time. Pat Hughes, who was calling the game yesterday, said he's seen, you know, 
pretty much all of Kyle Hendricks start and never starts and never once seen him uh, give up as many home runs in, in an outing. So I think it was more so just the time off. Kyle Hendricks, you know, obviously was on a roll, feeling good. And that all-star break can do something to you when you add some days in between starts. Rafael Devers, of course, mm. hitting back-to-back uh, -back bombs. And he just, it looked simple. The first one, Gro Groats was on that changeup. Second one, fastball inside. He just turned on it, took it to the next level. And the Cubs, unfortunately, just couldn't put it together enough runs every time they would try to get close the Red Sox would just uh, distance distance themselves uh, whether it be via the the long ball or uh, just you know manufacturing some runs so a tough day for the Cubs but I think with Stroman here another thing that Pat Hughes mentioned yesterday there's going to be a ton of scouts mm -hmm. in the stands today watching Marcus Stroman from several teams that's such a great point yeah Stroman nine and six with the 296 he's been a little bit I don't know what the word is. A little wobbly recently, but obviously he's been their best pitcher. He His trade value is high, and that's what a lot of the talk is about. James Paxton, the man on the mound today for the Red Sox, 5-1 and one with a 273. Cody Bellinger took advantage of the wind yesterday. I have a huge appreciation always for opposite field home runs, especially when it's a, you know, a huge bat like Cody Bellinger's. Well, you know what? Uh, Frank Thomas had the opportunity to speak with Freddie Freeman the other day, and they were talking about it, right? If your approach is hitting it to left center, right, the op uh, opposite side, if you're you know, batting from the left side, then anything that's off speed, you're going to be able to turn on it and really get a good, a good hack at it. And I think that's exactly what we saw from Cody Bellinger yesterday, where you know it was just the power and the timing of the, of the right hit that allowed him to do it. And let's be honest, I mean, Cody's on fire right now. Hits in 14 out of his last, well, now 15 out of his last 16 games, and which is just incredible when you thinking about where he was at the beginning of the season. So he more than likely felt that pressure, put the team on his back, get some runs on the board. There was one instance where there was bases loaded, Saya was up. And if Saya would have got on, you know, I started thinking to myself, I'm looking at Cody Bellinger and you're thinking, you know, he was on deck and you're like, you know, I know Cody wants to get up there. He's feeling good today, has two bombs. He wants to get to the plate or excuse me, had a bomb, wanted to get to the plate, say it gets out, and then the very next at bat in the next inning, he hits that home run. So I know he was feeling a certain type of way about wanting to put this Cubs team on his back. I want to talk more about the the Cubs radio booth and your experiences there. I also want to ask you about Hulu, which is about the coolest thing in the world. But may I, Gabe, and you, you can say no if you'd like, May I ask you some White Sox questions? Nothing is off limit when it comes to our conversations. <laughs> I know, you know, I know this. that. I know that. <laughs> you know this. <laughs> I know that the the Braves beat the White Sox yesterday, nine to nothing. Michael Kopech didn't make it out of the first inning. Is you're watching that game? As you're, well, maybe you, you weren't watching that game. But when, when you see that, when you see the reaction or you see the score and what went down with Michael Kopech, what are you thinking as a White Sox fan right now? Yeah, I think David Hall put it best on his Twitter account and said, why is Michael Kopech starting game one out of the All-Star break? And I think when you see the performance, it's not shocking. It's nothing out of the ordinary. Michael Kopech is as consistent as consistent can be this season. So it, it, this is what you expect when you look at the box score. It is either going to be a seven-inning, 100-pitch, seven-strikeout, eight-strikeout type performance, or it's going to be like it was yesterday, something that's sub-five innings um, where he can't find the strike zone, giving up the long ball. You see he couldn't, you know, he's walking a ton of people as well. I mean, it, it, we, we talked to Steve Stone. I think it was you and I, Grody, where we talked to Steve Stone, and he said, or maybe not, but he said, you know, what's going on with Michael Kopech is not between the ears. He and did that say that. Yep. That was interesting to me for Stoney to say that. Uh, he said it's just more about the mechanics and having faith in what, what it is that he can do. So, I mean, clearly he is – 
what, what most people would like him to be a finished product, he is still a work in progress, and I think that was evident yesterday. Yeah, and as I was just talking to James Fox, the co-host of Future Sox and uh, a writer for Sox Machine, and he made the point, too, and it does sound weird to say, Michael Kopech is 27, and, and it sounds weird because he was always the young phenom, and now just the, the bumps, literal bumps and bruises and really bad injuries, the clock is ticking. Could you imagine a world without Michael Kopech or in as another thing that I brought up to Steve Stone, he didn't like it, but the idea that maybe he's better off in a down the road in a bullpen role. I think Grody and, I, and I'm glad that you um, uh, verified that it was you and I that were talking. To it Steve was, Stone that yeah, day. yeah. And then you're, and that was a great conversation and great question that you asked because when you're thinking about Kopech and you're trying to put a guy in the best situation to be the best version of himself, what does that look like? But think about it, girls. Imagine if he was coming out in the ninth inning in a two-run game, and that and you saw what he did in the first inning of, of last game. So it's not as though his best stuff is right out of the gate, and, you know, because Michael Kopech is throwing hard from the very beginning, regardless of when he gets in the game. But you know, if you do move on from a guy like Liam Hendricks, if you do move on from a Reynaldo Lopez, Kendall Graveman, I mean, who is going to fill that void as a closer? Now the White Sox, of course, would love Michael Kopech to be that top of the rotation kind of a guy. Even if he was like a number three or four, no one would feel bad about that in terms of you know getting him on, on your squad, but. I think you have to look at all possibilities. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, Pedro Grifols seems like the guy who, you know, he's, he's like, hey, this is what it is and this is what it's going to be and not really in the mood for much changes. So I can't imagine something like that happening. But I do want Michael Kobeck to pitch well. I, I do know. want him to be a guy that can contribute to this White Sox team. Yeah, I know. It's just, it feels like time is running out, and it seemed like he was, you know, he, well, he was. He was one of the faces of the rebuild for sure. The voice that you are hearing live from Wrigley Field is Gabe Ramirez. He is getting ready to host the pregame show right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Cubs and Red Sox. That pregame will take place at 1245. Marcus Stroman, the Stroh Show, making the first pitch at 120. Well, we went through the myriad gigs that you have right now, including the evening host at the score. You work with the Chicago Fire. You're a big-time gambler, so you talk about that on BetQL, former boy band singer, all of that. <laughs> one of the coolest things you're doing right now, one of my, first of all, first of all, I'm a little jelly, because one of my favorite things in the world is live music, and I love Lollapalooza. And this guy, Gabe Ramirez, is going to be working at Lollapalooza on the TV on a hip place with a hip person. Tell us everything that you're going to be doing for Lollapalooza, Gabe. Yeah, first, you know, I would encourage everybody to just follow me on social media, Please. Chicago underscore Gabe. That way, you know, you can see all the happenings because I'm going to have some really cool behind the, uh, behind the scenes backstage footage. So I am going to be hosting Lollapalooza's live broadcast on Hulu. Before I, when I first got the gig, I thought it was Hulu's live broadcast of Lollapalooza, and then I quickly realized that I'm actually working for the people of Lollapalooza oh via Hulu. That's so so cool. I'm going to be doing that. Going to be in the artist lounge, interviewing a ton of uh, oh people, God. artists. Oh. Uh, we're trying to get some athletes out there. Oh. we got some members from the Chicago Fire working on some Bears players to get out there as well. So, I mean, it really is just an opportunity for me, a guy that's born and raised here in Chicago, to allow Chicago to permeate through the broadcast in, uh, into the world uh, so that they can get a taste of Chicago. Hey, pun right there. So they can get a taste of Chicago. What happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> no, I said that was my I realized I had a pun right there. I said, oh, I thought you said a, Chicago. Oh, I thought you said a punt. And so I thought maybe oh, no, somebody pun. was kicking a football around. No. Okay. Okay. Sometimes you and I miscommunicate. It happens. You know? That's, that's, I know. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, I got to say, you know, you, you got a lot of fans here, girls. I can't walk through the 
through the the confines of Wrigley Field without so many people talking oh, about I'm it, sure. including the our our our, our world famous engineer here, Mr. Zarang. Oh, I love Paulie. Paulie you know? Zarang, he's one of the greats, man. So he, I miss that guy already. He said to say what's up. So oh, he I is. can't imagine the three of us hanging out somewhere oh, having I, some dinner. Oh, oh I can see it. I can see it, man. Oh, I I have broken bread with the Zarangs many a time. That really? they are that you have never seen. People or because they ordered together because they'd be on the same bill, obviously. You know, we all yeah. got our little credit cards, and the, him and his brother Little Z, those two guys, they put on a clinic when it comes to order like seafood towers. Every like you're taken care of well, before, and we all benefit because you know they can't take it all down. Right. Well, I want to I want to sit at the chef's table, Paul, so we can be there <laughs> with groats and we can have some. Good, but all on Grody though. Yeah. I don't care how many jobs he just announced hey, that I had. As long as I got the old Odyssey card, I'll I'll pay for anything, man. <laughs> Mitch is always right. like, "Yeah, Groats, just pay for whatever you want. Go grab yourself a. You know what, Sean? Order a pizza right yeah. now. Get on yeah. that. So, other than Paul's Paul's ring is awesome, and my God, did the game sound good? How has the booth in general treated you, Pat Hughes, Zach Zaidman, Paul Zarang, whoever else is hanging out in that booth these days? Just absolute professionals. I think that's, you know, obviously it comes through over the broadcast, and you can't take anything away from that. Zach does a phenomenal job. I mean, obviously he covers play-by-play a lot, but yesterday doing color uh, in place of Ram was just absolutely amazing. And being being able to see Pat, it's one thing to, to watch it on the radio, <laughs> listen on the radio, uh, but when you're right here in front of Pat, I actually text our boss, Mitch, and I was like, being able to hear him right in front of you, it's like you think you got a good radio voice until you hear Pat Hughes kind of, <laughs> and you're like, oh, damn. Well, and he doesn't stumble person. either like the rest of us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I had a bunch of those yesterday. Um, but, Grody, you know, I actually broadcasted from these booths during the 2016 championship run when I was over at B96, but no one was here. Right. So it's a completely different experience to see the stadium empty, watch it uh, be filled with fans, and then get to experience the game. I mean, I don't want to say I'm a Cubs fan like that, right? I appreciate it. I'm trying to be apolitical and in the middle for everybody. Right, right. But I do have a different appreciation for this team, uh, this organization, and this ballpark after what I experienced yesterday. That's awesome. Shady Sears just gave a weird look when you said that thing about Because he doesn't Cubs. want me to be a part of the I know. Cubs nation. I understand. Yeah, I know. He doesn't He doesn't think that you deserve He's it. He's jealous. That's what it is. He's totally jelly. <laughs> He's jealous that I'm out He's here. totally jelly. Um, by the way, this is probably the best time as any to ask you, did you get a couple of wristbands for Lollapalooza? Do you, is that how are you empowered like that, or do I have to go through uh, underground channels to get my uh, Lollapalooza on? What's you're, the? You're, you're Mark Grody, man. That well, you know, you well, you're Gabe Ramirez. A business card. You're working you know, for Hulu, man. You just walk right you're my, in there, you're my man. first. All right, all right. I'm gonna go to. The, I'm going to the streets with it. I'll take it to the streets. Gabe, you're awesome, man. Have, have it. I, I know you're gonna have a ball out there. Have a great day, man. There he goes. That is Gabe Ramirez. Always great to talk to Gabe. He's doing the pre- and post-game show, sounding silky smooth like he always does. And, uh, again, Cubs and Red Sox. Just so cool to say. And it just just looks pleasing, doesn't it? 120 today, 1245 is the pre-game. Stroman against James Paxton. When we come back, let's talk to Paul Sullivan. He's columnist for the Chicago Tribune on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.